1: Visit RobertHalf.com today.
0: Yes, what is up, everyone, and welcome to Lori Lindsay's. Favorite podcast in soccer we trust, and I only say that because she told me here in Sydney, Australia, where I am currently. I'm Jimmy Cream Cheese, cash Can, Conrad, New Conrad, also known as Jim. And I'm here with Hollywood Heath Pierce, also known as the Heartbreak Kid, and uh, to the surprise of no one, Heath Charlie Davies is not here Damn. with that us. Is, I'll tell you what: one thing you won't get shocked at on this show at this point of
1: this summer is if Chuck uh doesn't make it. You know, if he makes it, <laughs> if, he, if he makes it, it's like a grand reunion every time. You know. Uh, but we miss oh, him. I, and I was with him. I was, I with, him in, I I was him with him in DC. I was with him in DC. Okay. Okay. He had some really long days for the Goloso Network, um, and so I had. He, he was on the go like twenty plus interviews that they did. So he he's grinding. It's not like he's just out there vacationing. I will tell you though, he does enjoy himself after hours, Jimmy. He does know how to <laughs> work hard, party hard when he was at All Star. I, um, I,
0: so, I respect it. I respect it. All I was seeing was photos from this event and maybe some short videos. And I just thought his, his shorts were a little bit too tight, and his sunglasses. Oh, you should have my seen favorite. his jeans. You should have seen his <laughs> jeans,
1: Jimmy. It was like it was like a spray paint can. You could hear it like clanking before somebody <laughs> sprayed them on him. Uh, <laughs> I, I, can um, I tell you something, Jimmy? And I'll say this to him. My biggest fear for Charlie is you know when you see. Like, you know how Ronaldinho still dresses the same as he did when he was a player and like baggy went out and came all the way back in again. And he's still going baggy. (laughs) My biggest worry for Chuck is he is going to dress the same forever as he did at the, at the, at the peak of his career. Like I'm worried that (laughs) he's going to be that guy that's still wearing the skinny jeans when no one's wearing the skinny jeans anymore type of thing. You know, uh, he had the hat backwards, uh, he had all kinds
0: of stuff. We don't need Chuck out there smuggling plums, you know, he's Billy Madison. He's in, he's (laughs) our Billy Madison. I swear. (laughs) Well, we got to get him on here at some point to defend himself. But we have a great show for you guys. Despite Chuck not being a part of the festivities, we haven't seen you in a week. So we are excited to dive in and get you up to date on all of the U.S. men's national team news. We'll obviously give a shout out to our women's national team as they prepare for the Women's World Cup, starting with their first game against Vietnam. We got some transfer news, of course. But let's talk with or talk about Gio Reyna, Mm -hmm. who sat down with Derek Ray. And had some insights that I think everyone will find interesting. Now, we are hearing reports, first and foremost, that he might have an ankle injury. But very similar to Chuck not being on the show, we're not surprised that Gio Reyna might be hurt. The guy's very injury-prone, so obviously keep you abreast on any news that happened there on the injury front. Uh, Gio Doe, uh, sitting down with Derek Ray, said this. I spoke with Matt Crocker in Las Vegas after the Mexico game, and he assured me that I will have an important role in the program for many years going forward. My job is to keep improving on the field and help my team win. So do you find that strange? You, Keith, Chuck, whenever he gets to hear this. Everybody listening, follow us on Twitter, ISWTPod, and let us know your thoughts there if you're listening to this later on your podcast platform, uh, your favorite podcast platform. Um, that Greg Burhalter didn't actually have this conversation with Geo, and is actually Matt Crocker.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I think Matt Crocker is going to have to have a lot of work. He's going to have to be a major role in sort of being the mediator and in information sharing. It could be a long time before they talk. Now, I think that's a weird thing to guarantee with him being injury prone and us not knowing. Like his rate of injury is a little, is actually worrying in terms of like the player he could be. We know that he could be, you know, maybe the best player that we've ever had in the national team with his quality um, in the history of the national team. He has that much upside, but he also has a really early history of injuries that I think could be, but in theory, I think he's going to play a really important role, mediate mediating and trying to bring this back together and having that conversation with him, I think seems appropriate. Um, and is, it, it allows Geo it allows Gio to, speak to the future without having to speak about greg berhalter which i think is really important right he's speaking to somebody within the system he's speaking to the national team without it having to be woven through the whole like but you have to play for the coach it's more of like hey i've got a role within the national team this guy told me i think that's a really clever and smart way to just sort of help advance this forward so that we can get on with it you know and not make it just about like
0: two guys and oh that's all i get it i get it do you feel like it undermines greg at all that matt crocker is the one kind of talking to the players in this manner or or is it just situational hey hey matt crocker ran into it just happened to run into Gio. i mean isn't isn't he
1: greg's boss like technically he's greg's boss he's great yeah yeah he is he is um i i don't think it's i don't think it's undermining i think they probably have um they've got to have a strong rapport if they rehired greg right and and a plan in place as to how they're going to rebuild and again I think this narrative of, of it being from somebody that doesn't have to be about Greg and make it about two players. It's about the national team. It's about him. It's about getting better. And it's not about like two people who clearly have if it was just about them, fine. But that is about families. It's about history. It's about like there's some deeply woven issues that are going to be hard to get past um, as a group. You just have to try to figure out how to do it. You know, you got to move forward.
0: Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about Greg's reintegration here a little later in the show, but uh, finishing Gio Reyna's interview with Derek Ray, he also mentioned about the expectations of the Copa America. Gio said, the Copa America in the U.S. will be a great experience for our team as we continue to progress. We need to raise our expectations. There's no reason we shouldn't compete for the trophy in front of our fans in our country. That's the mentality. I love that. It feels like at times that Gio, not that he was shying away from leadership comments leadership responsibility but it seems like he's ready to step up and take on more he also went on to say that he'd love to stay at Dortmund he thinks it's a top club there's nowhere else to go but where else would I go this is a top club kind of I'm paraphrasing but uh, that was the gist of what he was saying so I'm curious to see what his future is in general because there had been whispers of him or Dortmund trying to move him behind the scenes so uh we have a few players that, that feel like they're in that weston mckinney jumps out as well as do they yeah. really want us So, junior Des is another one so interesting yeah. times for a few of our players but but i love the leadership mentality from Gio Reyna. i love that he's saying that we're trying to put our flag in the ground that we don't want to just be happy with getting out of our group or getting to a semi we want to win this thing and if they have that type of confidence and you add a ball again hopefully he, his situation gets settled soon then uh why not? I mean, we, we looked fantastic in the Nations League. Yeah, I, I mean,
1: I do think you know you've got Brazil, you've got Argentina in Copa America. We should pretty be good, right? <laughs> They're pretty good. Um, but outside of them, like I I like our I like our ability to compete, and that is going to be a real test for us. And again, we we have to be able to play against every type of team, right? Certain culture certain backgrounds certain styles of play certain you know uh game development principles those types of things we need to be able to play past those uh because a lot of you know how it is jimmy a lot of a world cup is about Mm -hmm. a draw you played in a group of death but but also that's then navigating the group stages but once you get to the knockout rounds like you've got to find a way to get past everybody if you want to go on a deep run eventually whether early or late you're gonna have to face a few opponents that are really difficult And i think that'll be a good Test for us in terms of the expectations we sit. And by the way, Jimmy,
0: nice curtains, man. Really nice. Thanks, curtains buddy. You, you know what? Your curtains yeah. are amazing, too. Thanks. For everybody yeah, watching yeah, on off. YouTube, we have similar <laughs> curtains in our respective uh, hotels. I'm in Sydney right now. And Heath, you're in Vancouver, if I'm not Vancouver. mistaken. Yeah. So we're, we're very global and Soccer We Trust has gone global here. It's not it's it's I say nighttime. It's 615 a.m. in Sydney. And behind me, though, I have the opera house. I have an incredible view in my hotel room, but you guys won't believe me because it's dark. So I can't really <laughs> justify that. At oh, it's winter. though. The of course it's dark. It's crazy. It's so dark all the yeah. time. Yeah, it's it's uh, well, we can break that down a little later. when We talk about the women's national team. But I love the point that you make about being adaptable. That is a quality that I think a lot of national teams have. And the one that jumps out to me is Croatia. For whatever reason, when you started talking, there's just something about how Croatia navigated the last two World Cups, right? I mean, they just figured out a way to survive and thrive and adapt to their opponents. It wasn't always pretty. And I'm not saying that I want us to play like Croatia. Sometimes they sat back a little bit too much. But I think there's elements of their game that I really respect and admire. And it's adaptability. They're, they're just so fluid and flexible with their tactics and and comfortable with that. Right? There are a lot of teams that once you get them out of their comfort zone, they get stagnant. They hesitate, right? They they second guess, and and I want us to be a team that has a little bit more of that Croatian DNA in there, and 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 I hope a Copa America will challenge us in that way, and I think it will. But the deeper we go into the tournament, obviously, the more opportunities we're going to have to challenge ourselves in that way. So I'm excited about the competition. I'm excited the Geos, excited, and and um, yeah, I mean, imagine yeah, Argentina one game, you get Brazil the next, uh, even even going up against. a a chile or a uruguay i mean they're just going to pose different problems for us and i know we played uruguay in a in a a friendly the year before but you know once you play in a real competition yeah obviously it changes the stakes are a little bit different so it's going to be incredible i'm glad it's happening on our shores i think it's going to be a nice tune-up for how it's going to be for the world cup in 2026 and and we need as many meaningful games as possible without world cup qualifying heath yeah i agree i mean i i think you said it well around
1: croatia like there has to be a certain style of play or system of play that we do where we, we can dictate games, right? We can be in control. We can force another team to play uh, against our style of play and then others accept or, or adapt to those types of things. And, and I think we are really rigid um, in the world cup uh, with a bunch of guys playing their first world cup. And over the next few years, I'm hoping that, you know, we can open up and move some of that responsibility off the staff and into the players and allow them to, have that, but also just be able to try try things differently um, against different opponents and, and succeed at it, right? Because you know what happens when this national team loses, Jimmy. Just like it does for Mexico, it's Berhalter out. It'll be like, this team is weak. We have no whatever, and we'll start blaming people. So hopefully we don't lose the sight of like progression over the next few years for the sake sure. of having to like win every single tournament from here till the end of the World Cup.
0: Okay, so what do you think the minimum expectations should be? Or just the expectations overall? For this group, I know it's still speculative because we don't know what the draw is going to be. I mean, if we yeah. get out of our group and we face an Argentina and Brazil in the next round, that's going to be difficult. The last time Copa America was in the States was in 2016, and we played Argentina in the semi uh in Houston. I was there and we got smoked. So, mm-hmm. and Messi scored one of the best free kicks I've ever seen. um And Brad Guzan, I think, is still shaking his head about it. but well, we lost that one 4 0, and it was. There was still clear there was a gulf. Not a gulf, that sounds really dramatic. But there was a, a gap. We'll call it a del- yeah, we'll call it A gap, we'll a call gap it in a peninsula. <laughs> a gap in quality. And I didn't feel like we made Argentina suffer that much in that particular game. Never really threatened them to the point where they were on the back foot. I feel like, okay, maybe they weren't always yeah. on the front foot. But still a good experience for that particular group of players. Obviously didn't lead us to qualifying for the 2018 World Cup. Still some takeaways yeah. that were positive if we run into one of those big teams early on, that could be a problem, but I'm hoping we, a minimum for me is a semi-final. I would love to see us in a final on American soil. I think that would be a big thrill yeah. for everybody involved. And I think we have not only the players and talent to do so, but we also have this underlying yeah. confidence that in some ways, I know we're going to talk about the women, the women have that no matter what the situation, the women always feel like they have this, underlying belief this x-factor belief that okay you might be better than us on on the day but we're still gonna win (laughs) you know and right and they've they've shown that time and time again and i think that's why they resonate i mean yes they win trophies that obviously is the number one thing that's going to win people over but but how they do it is what makes them so special and i hope that we adopt some of that dna as well yeah i mean you're absolutely right i think and just from reading the comments i think
1: semifinals is i think fair and yeah yeah but I think it's I think it's a fair expectation we as former players put on this team and where they're at now the quality that they have based on the experience they now have based on the the clubs that they play at based on those things semi-final and I also think it's completely realistic for our fans to set that as a standard right when we look at the golden generations that came through Belgium and all you know uh other golden generations even with England I think that would be though they' They're, they're what I think maybe a tier up from us theirs was like semi-final final right um as they reached the peak of their golden generation but I think for us for 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 Copa America I think it has to be a semifinal um or bust type of thing because that's the the expectations um were not create the expectations being created I don't think are unrealistic so I think that's a totally fair fair one and I think a lot of people have been agreeing uh, in the comments with that so Maybe okay. we should up the bar a step higher. <laughs> no, no. I, I think that's uh, obviously. If the most
0: of us I, all semi-final, though?
1: then we're under, we're, you know, we need uh, probably a minority. We need to be in the minority of expectations maybe. Maybe we should I, just say final or bust.
0: Yeah, final or bust, burhalter out. Is, uh, is is That's it. That's the way that it goes. <laughs> now, speaking about Greg Burhalter, I think that there is going to be a very important reintegration for him back into the team. I know all the players seem to be saying the right things, and, and there, there's still some emotional baggage there. And as I've started to have some time, and I've had some long flights lately, Heath, but there's been some things that I've kind of heard that I'm piecing together. You you do the same, right? You hear something from somebody that you know behind the scenes. You hear something else. and, And they're not dots that you've connected yet. But then when you start to put it together, I'm starting to think that maybe nobody wanted this U.S. men's national team job and that Greg was the best option left. I, I, I'm because I, and when I and I say this, because the catalyst for me, and I don't want to get into this conversation because I wonder why nobody wanted this job. And, and the, the, it just felt interesting that when Greg was close to signing to be coach of club America in Mexico, I would have been sick whether by that, the way.
1: I would have loved that if that was, yeah loved
0: yeah, I would have loved it too. But then all of a sudden it's like us soccer got, you know, the hot potato. We got to sign this guy as fast as we possibly can. We might lose him. And now we don't have any other options because nobody wants it. I mean, it, that, that was still a weird thing for me that never really got answered. And and as I started to hear some things and put some things together, I don't know if anybody wanted the job. And so Greg became the best choice. And mm-hmm. that is interesting because we sit here. We love the U.S. men's national team. Everybody listening, uh, whether you you hate, love them or love them, whatever it is. I mean, you're still passionate about, about the team and, and its future and I wonder. And so I don't know if you've heard anything similar but but I, <clears throat> why would you not want this job or hosting? And maybe it's the timing of it. I mean, I could see the the bigger names just not wanting to dive in this early when we don't have like meaningful yeah. qualifiers and maybe we can attract somebody bigger in 2025 when there's only a year out. I don't maybe there's a room to to discuss that. But I had a good laugh like why nobody wants this job? That's crazy to me. Yeah. I mean I did hear, I heard that
1: I, I don't want to say no one because I think it's disrespectful, but, um, almost no one, okay, you yeah. know, like,
0: well, well yeah, it's not that yeah. they weren't, no, I, no, I'm not, I, I I'm not know heard. you don't
1: mean it. I know, I don't know. I know you don't mean it in, in, in that way, but, I, I, and, and let me see if I can, I, I can summarize yes. it in the way that you're thinking that the quality or tier of coach that we thought we were talking to was probably never interested. Right. And if you look at it through the other lens, what has the U S done? We went out in the round of 16, Jimmy at the world cup with a group of players that were basically spent the next six months on the bench of big clubs, right? Every country has those players that are in the top. I don't
0: like these, these realistic 20.
1: takes, Heath. no, <laughs> yeah, but, but the point being is like, we see the potential cause we see it every single day, but if you're a, a, a big name coach and unless you're a national team coach and, and you like the projects, there's not a lot of like, Remember when Jurgen Klinsmann was like a national team coach, right? Like there was like even though he was a club coach, but like there was a lot of these guys that are like during I think that era, that's where we're like twelve year long national team coaches, right? Um, and and I don't think that there is a coach that looks at the U.S. national team and just thinks like, you know, Roberto Martinez. Probably doesn't see the the U.S. national team as like, oh yeah, this is this is the job, you know. Um, That's complex. In his career, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. look, dude, navigating a country the size of ours in terms of geographics, in terms of where players play, in terms of identity, cultural identity, like you know, the system, style of play, all those things. Where we're at, we're still pretty young, um, and so I think that we lived in a dream bubble. Mostly because Charlie just kept chucking huge names out there, um, <laughs> and that we thought that well, like well, we we I, thought we were I, I attracting actually, stars, and I don't think we ever were.
0: I actually Even, thought Yogi either Love, either
1: either just I think maybe from a full package standpoint, because again, I get you it. want the stars, you got to be able to pay the stars, and you know. By the
0: way, your sun is rising, Jimmy. That's kind of cool. It is pretty cool. Yeah, thanks for noticing. But uh, I actually thought Yogi Love was was legit. Whether there was any truth okay. to that at mm. any point, or whether he got asked or just dis- displayed any interest. He was somebody that had taken a program that was in a little bit of turmoil, obviously following a uh, third place finish in the 2006 World Cup, took it over for Jurgen Klinsmann and then led them to great heights, winning the World Cup in 2014, but had navigated those. Maybe he just didn't want to go through that again, especially with a program to your point that's still relatively young uh, as it pertains to having the infrastructure and and the and the money and the focus of trying to right. grow something pretty special as we are now and how, how quickly it's evolved. I mean, yes, so we know the Federation's been around for a long time, but it didn't really kick into high gear until we qualified for the World Cup uh, in 1990 exactly. on the men's side, of course. And the women have just taken off with rocket fuel, which has been great to see. But yeah, it, it's interesting to me. I just yeah, I guess I was living in this bubble like I'm not, not to say that I. Mourinho and when I thought about Mourinho and I mean those guys just they're club coaches man they love the daily grind they wouldn't have those jobs otherwise but the special national team coaches the Luis Enrique's the Roberto Martinez's Yogi Loves I thought maybe we would gain some of that I know Patrick Vieira was thrown in there pretty late I don't know how true that was and yes I didn't mean any disrespect there I just for the for the players that we were shooting high for Heath or for the players the coaches we were shooting high for I just thought that would resonate a little bit more because of how big this tournament would be in 2026. But uh, again, maybe it happens in 25. I don't know. I don't really know. Yeah. So could be. Yeah. All right. We're going to take our first break of In Soccer We Trust. When we come back, we are going to talk about uh, the Women's World Cup very quickly. We'll talk about Inter-Miami and Messi and the implications of him and his arrival on MLS overall and League's Cup. And we, of course, will get into the MLS All-Star Game and all the other fun stuff you guys want to talk about. So don't go anywhere. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to In Soccer We Trust. We just watched a great ad for the Women's World Cup, which you can catch on Fox Sports and the Fox Sports app. They've got it all locked down for all the action surrounding the Women's World Cup. And of course, we have it going on with Attacking Third, a new show on the Golasso channel. I'm very excited. The USA take on Vietnam tonight. What's tonight? Well, it's tonight for me. No, it's morning for me. It's tonight for everybody else, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. Make sure you tune in for that. So that should be a lot of fun. Great way to start the tournament. Wait. Uh, Heath, Heath, what's the action like back home? I mean, I'm here in Sydney, and and obviously this country is very excited, especially after the Matildas won their first game against Ireland 1-0. But uh, the U.S. is playing in New Zealand, so I'm not really around the U.S. action at the moment.
1: I'm not back home right now, but after Christine Sinclair's penalty kick miss, I flew into Vancouver, British Columbia yesterday, and that was the talk on the plane. And I left these uh, headphones on the plane and I had to go back to the airport today to pick them up. And on the train, there was a whole group of people heading to the airport talking about the first matches of the, the, the World Cup, which I thought was really cool. Um, just because, look, when I go to the stadium later, when I go in, and when you're around the soccer circles, of course you expect it. But when things are penetrating into to pop culture like that or just general population, I think that's just a really, really awesome thing. But what's the buzz like down there? By the way, what time is the, what time is the women's
0: kickoff? your time it's 11 a.m local (sighs) time here in sydney yeah so yeah i mean here we i've seen fans walking around ones that couldn't get over to new zealand waiting for the u.s women to get into the knockout rounds uh but the energy is great everybody's excited to your point it's great for everybody talking about it having opinions about what's happening uh sam kerr obviously the big player for australia she got hurt right before so so that's the big talking news. They still got the result without her. Canada, obviously, very disappointing. Not to see Christine Sinclair become the first ever player to score in six World Cups. She missed that penalty. So there's a lot uh, of, of emotional weight attached to that miss. They had a zero-zero draw against Nigeria. But yeah, it's it's it for me, it was very cool to see both hosts win. New Zealand won their first ever World Cup game against Norway. That was a big shock. And then Australia winning. I think it really just cemented this the the why this tournament matters, why it's important and why everybody should support their team. So I'm very excited to see the U.S. play tonight. I'm very curious to see who Vlatko Andonofsky, the coach, goes with. I don't know if they have their best 11 settled. So, so I mean, I think they're going to be pretty comfortable against Vietnam with all due respect to Vietnam. But when they play Netherlands uh, in four or five days, that is going to be... A very good one, because they beat the Netherlands in the Women's World Cup final in 2019. To give everybody a frame of reference as to why the Netherlands might want to stick it to us. But they're without Vivian Miedema, who plays for Arsenal, and she's out with an injury. That's a big loss for them. Uh, well, how do you think the U.S. is going to do against Vietnam, Heath? Well, I think they'll blow them out. But, like, uh, like I don't even think that'll be close Vietnam's
1: first ever World Cup appearance. So, I think uh, not to undermine that, but I still think, you know, the sad part for me around the world cup and hopefully these things continue to drive it forward As I think the top 10 in the world continue to get better and better called top 12 or 14 even. But once you go out of that, there's still so far to go. And, and hopefully these things continue to inspire generations globally to be able to, um, get the funding needed to develop countries. But yeah, I think that will be a pretty big, uh, blowout, but in terms of, by the way, to go back to that question you asked before, there's a lot of people here, um, in, uh, back home in LA, back where I grew up, that are all hosting watch parties, which is pretty pretty cool to see. Oh, cool. Um, cool. And and so hopefully it drives you know massive numbers. But I think the US is going to comfortably uh, blow it up. But we talk about this even on the Men's World Cup in terms of like navigating a group stage. If there is a blowout, you got to blow them out more than somebody else does um, in order to win the group. And on top of that, you you you've got to start rolling out the team that you want to have the best opportunities to go on a deep run, right? You got to find that rhythm, and and but <clears throat> the problem is you want the te- U.S. to get tested, right? They got tested against uh, France, they got tested against uh, in the last World Cup, they got tested against England, um, and then ultimately Netherlands with um, Miedema. But like I hope the U.S. gets plenty of tests because you don't want that first punch to come uh, at the time that knocks you out of the tournament.
0: We'll catch all the action on Fox and the Fox sports app, especially to watch the U S beat Vietnam tonight. The game kicks off at 6 PM Pacific, 9 PM Eastern. And it should be a lot of fun. Let's go ladies. All right, let's talk now about inter Miami. They had a pretty big week Heath. It's been uh pretty crazy. And Unfortunately, during the presentation, they got rained out, which uh, is as Miami as it gets. Uh, you want to build this whole special thing, but they and ultimately executed it. It was very exciting to see everybody out there and just the 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 promise, the hope that something is going to change for the better. Not let's leave the MLS out of it right now, but let's just uh, how. It, uh, Overtake, and I think it already has, given to everybody we've talked to in Florida. But it's just it's on everybody's mind, and it's all happening. And he's playing in a couple hours against Azul in the League's Cup. So there's a lot to unpack here, though. But let's talk about Messi and Busquets, and you think, Heath, that they are actually going to move the needle in terms of performance for Inter Miami? Because David Beckham's come out, by the way, and said he's going to he's going to take some time. To it took two years, David Beckham said to really understand how the league works, to level up the the professionalism. And I'm sure there's some, some hidden underlying thoughts there of like giving me better teammates so I could have some success. And and I think he started to plant some seeds, David Beckham, of everybody needs to tap the brakes on how that's going to impact our on-the-field <laughs> performance. And so what would you tell Inter-Miami fans as to? Because they're, they're not going to go out there and start winning games 7 or eight zero because Busquets and Messi are on the field. Yeah, but I was
1: thinking about it. Yesterday on when I was on the flight and I was like, you know, they're coming, he's coming to LA, play LAFC sometime soon. And I was like, I need to make sure I'm there for that weekend because I want to see the game. Cause I had been hearing about people at, at MLS All-Star that couldn't get any tickets at home just for the game because it's all sold out. I do think that from a standard of like people excited to see is going to naturally create an over expectation. But <clears throat> he's he's obviously starting to get signings. You know, I don't know how they're doing it. You know, someone's going to (laughs) run the old investigation into those rules uh, as to how they're going to sign all these players. Because it is going to be it is literally going to be a Messi and friends tour and it's going to be sick for a couple of years. But hopefully no, it it will be pretty
0: sick. Isn't it in everybody's best interest to have Messi on a competitive team? The guy just won the World Cup six months ago, arguably still the world's best player. And then if you have a team that's not competitive, I just don't think that's a good look. For MLS, oh, now let's bring MLS into the conversation. It's just not a good luck for MLS if Messi's on a trash team. Well, I guarantee you that's why that
1: like, there all these signings are happening is like he, a lot of that work was probably done for him to be able to protect his legacy and make sure that he has a competitive team. I still think it's going to be tough this season, um, but moving
0: forward. Uh, okay, okay, yeah. but, okay. Let's look at this competitively though, and and yeah. let's be real. Luis Suarez, Jordi Alba, Sergio Busquets, uh, Messi himself. You know, they, they're all 35 or older like this. Yeah. It, I just don't know if they know <laughs> what they're walking mm-hmm. into. I, I know they're, they're flying private planes and everything's going to be as first class five star as possible. But when you're flying all all over the place, it, like MLS is just different. Thierry Henry. Yeah. I love one of his famous quotes. And I know you were around him during his time at the New York Red Bulls. He was like, Oh, if you think this league's so easy, why don't you come over here and try it? You know? And I love that he said that because he's right. It's just a lot more difficult than these players that that hear about it and see it and, and think how awesome it's going to be to play in America. And I think for a lot of them it is, but there's still some work to be done if you actually want to be successful in this league.
1: Yeah, I fully agree. I think it's going to be a huge challenge. Um, they're going to need a lot of players that Messi brings, but they're going to need a lot that he hasn't brought um, to, to be able to make this team competitive and and go after something. You know, we, we know that building a team is really hard in Major League Soccer. You inherit who you inherit, and it takes time. Uh, for a coach to come in and make the differences that they want. It's going to take time for him to get settled in and adjusted to a style of play or a system, right? Um, and and you just hope that he can hit the ground running as quick as possible from an entertainment standpoint because, like you said, it's best for everyone if he's on a team that's competitive and good. Right now, they're not.
0: No, I will say I'm a huge Andres Iniesta fan. So the fact that there are rumors that Iniesta could potentially be coming to Inter-Miami and in MLS... Is awesome. Now he just finished uh what five what years? Was he 39? Is he 39? In,
1: is he 39? In,
0: in Japan. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care. That I, that guy he can he can play for as long as he wants. Uh, but you need people around him, right? To if he's gonna be older, he's gonna slow down a little bit, but his brain's probably working as fast as it ever has. Now, Tata Martino has come out and addressed these Iniesta rumors. He said he's probably one of the best players that I've ever coached, and one uh, and he's among the best people I've ever met. And that's all I'm gonna say about that. <laughs> yeah, thanks Tata now yeah. now Tata also came out and said that Messi probably and Busquets probably won't start against Cruz Azul, which has dropped ticket prices uh, apparently there's a, some stuff swirling around that ticket prices are now dropping which makes sense if if the coach comes out and says Messi probably won't start and there's no guarantee I'm sure he'll run out there for 10 or 15 minutes but this is also a competitive game and a new competitive competition or that's what they want is it to be a competitive competition. Right. And I'm excited for league Cup to see what it looks like in year one then then as it continues to evolve, even though there's all these new summer programming coming in. How do you think let's talk the first part first. I, I, I'm not surprised Leo Messi's not going to start. Guy just got here. It's probably been a whirlwind. You know, he doesn't look like he's been training all that much. I'm sure it doesn't matter because he's like a freak specimen anyway. but but why risk him at this point when you have a, you know, a calendar full of games, including some important games in the semifinals of the Open Cup come to mind? I mean, you're two games away from winning a trophy in that particular competition.
1: Yeah, I mean, it. I don't know. I don't know how this is going
0: to. Uh, right. I mean, in some a, ways it, you want to cue the circus music. Like, how are yeah. they going to balance and <laughs> handle all this stuff, in, including? his minutes managing his minutes. And then, in, and then it's not just integrating him, getting Busquets involved when Jordi Alba shows up, Luis Suarez, I'm sure is going to show up, uh, and he, I, it, it's, it is it's weird pretty, that we haven't seen
1: any videos of him training over the last couple, like uh, during this lead up thing, there hasn't been any videos of him just like out really doing it, you know?
0: Well, there was one where he was doing some, some passing. That's all, yeah. that's all I've seen is some, just some passing drills.
1: Um, I just, I just run. this is just running his basement always, and no one ever knows. Like no one gets to see it. He's in the vault. I don't
0: know. I don't know. It's pretty interesting. I hope all he's
1: right. fit. I hope he's fit.
0: Well, well, we'll obviously uh, find out in a few hours how this is all going to look and play out in his first game in the states with MLS with Inter Miami. <laughs> it's exciting. They're, I mean, I think the ripple effects are very positive, but uh, still a little bit of a wait and see over here with this yeah. guy. Yeah. Sydney, Australia. All right, let's get into the MLS All Star Game. You were there, Heath. There I, I want to get some. Some insight from you about the festivities. It, it looked like it was a lot of fun. I definitely had some FOMO. But the All-Stars ended up losing 4-0 to Arsenal. And it's not a good look when that happens. I remember 2011 or 2010. Both where, of them, actually. Okay, yeah. They played Manchester United in one of them. And it was 6-1. I didn't. I, didn't, I wasn't an All-Star that season. So no, me, they, I was.
1: I was both of those. And both of those were bad beatings.
0: What was interesting, though, and I, th- I think this is important context because as it pertains to what does it look like for the league, we ended up playing Kansas City. We played Manchester United before they played the All-Stars, and we beat them 2-1. And I got a red card in that game. Awesome, because I'm awesome. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, <laughs> I think what that shows is that when you have an organized team that has an identity and knows how to play together, it's going to be obviously more competitive than when you throw a couple – you know, 20 guys together, though talented, and ask them to be competitive against an Arsenal who are competing for the Premier League or hope to be competing for the Premier League this season or are trying to get something out of the game or are playing pretty hard. Obviously, some guys are trying to play for more minutes, trying to get starting positions, trying to stick with the team in general, not get loaned out like Balogun, or or get sold. So I'm not surprised that that scoreline was what it was. But it doesn't. It just doesn't look good, regardless.
1: Yeah, it's not good. I mean, this is not 2016 Ar- uh, Arsenal at uh, San Jose Earthquakes, you know, stadium. Like this is one of the top five teams in the world last year in terms of how good they were and the amount of players they brought in. Now it's just it's another level. And like you said, it's it's really difficult. You know, you're talking about a bunch of guys. I remember, you know, it's like anybody who's watching this right now. You go and play pickup with your friends and. <clears throat> or not with your friends. You go play pickup and you jump on the field and there's just, it's just chaos, right? And you add that to a bunch <laughs> of guys who have really high IQs and are really high capabilities, but you're playing against a team that literally should have won the Premier League uh, like 19 out of the last 20 years if Man City didn't exist, you know? Like, it, it's <laughs> unbelievable, unbelievable team. And so uh, – but it's not a good look. It's not a good look. Like, there was just some poor defending, you know, not clinical the other way. Um, and and it just leaves so, me to so- – it, it just – uh, even for all of us who are who are all stars in the in the past, like it just it hurts when this happens because it, it just no matter what the narrative comes out of just like lack of quality. Like I had I had friends that went that aren't big soccer fans, but they're soccer fans. They went to the game and they came back and they're like, man, they got battered and they didn't even understand what the all stars were. They just thought that it was like our best team against their best team and not that it was like actually just a group of yeah. players that showed up on the field and like like they they just thought that like the quality was just so big a gap that it was five zero was
0: like you know, they were lucky, you know, to get 5-0 and not worse. So taking all this into consideration, <clears throat> do you feel like, and this is a question for everybody listening and or watching, do you feel like MLS should stop inviting European teams? Have we, have we moved past that? Is it better to go? I like the League
1: MX, but then League's Cup started and now you don't need that much you know yeah. interleague play or you know well, do you think you it's, at the end, are, are, do the we August?
0: have enough teams to have a, a, a and enough interest that that needs to be thrown in there too to have western conference all stars versus eastern conference all stars because i i participated in the last one of those and what was it what was the benefit was there any benefit to the winning uh, i don't remember there being any benefit it was just uh, a yeah. celebration at that point, yeah. it was Freddie Adu's rookie year. That's how old I am, everybody. Freddie yeah. Adu's rookie year. <laughs> what if the and, West hosted, uh, It, it hosted, was fun. I mean, the- that was my first All Star game, so I yeah. I was thrilled, right? I mean, it was, yeah. it, it, it was a big moment for me, but but it didn't have the same gravitas as like, holy crap, because I mean, I was in Chicago when we played against Chelsea, right. and and then you know, wow, this whole thing stepped up. We won one zero, and and Jose Mourinho was coaching, and and it felt competitive. That game felt competitive. Yeah, maybe because of the roster that Peter Novak put together in that particular game, but we were up for it. And even though Chelsea rolled out their best players, and it you could feel it, right? All of a sudden, Mm -hmm. the game, okay, this is fun. Times over. About thirty seconds in, now it's time. Didn't we beat Bayern Munich
1: too in Portland? I mean, there was a couple ones where we've competed really well against against good teams, but like, I don't know, man. Arsenal are well. Look at that
0: though. When you when you when that happens, I feel like the European teams have an excuse, built in excuse. It's preseason. We're not even trying that hard, right? So, I don't know if there's really any big gain for MLS to try to take on these European teams other than it being a marketing vehicle for team or, you know, from Bayern Munich, all of a sudden Germany is going to tune in or the, all the Bayern fans are going to tune in and kind of see what's happening right. and learn a little bit more about MLS. But I wonder if we're past that because I feel like we could get to East versus West. We could make it like a proper, like the NBA, nobody defends. It's, you know, the games would be 15 versus yeah. 14. I actually think you could put in. Some different types of rules, or or when I did the TST seven v seven tournament, why not do something like that? Like instead of like maybe broadening the player pool of of having twenty eight all stars or whatever, you could just have like a really fun seven v seven tournament. Change all the rules if you score from a distance, like you could have three pointers for like kind of just make it. I don't know, like rock and jock. Remember that for MTV when they had all these yeah. crazy rules and they had celebrities come out with with the athletes and play and and made it a little bit more. I don't know, fun to watch, right? So I think that there's some things that they can do, and I wonder what they're thinking about moving forward because I agree with you. The League's Cup kind of usurps what's happening now with any Liga, Ma, uh, MLS All-Star stuff, and and now I don't know if there's as much value to to taking on European teams. So I'm, I'm very curious to see what happens moving forward yeah it's
1: it's it's uh it's it's a hard one right and and in this point of the schedule because uh, by the way going back to 2010 it was i think six was it six or five five to two um at reliance team that was when um i played in that one kevin alston gave up that back pass at the start of the game and then they scored within like a minute and then we were like oh man it's gonna <laughs> yeah. be a tough one um then we lost again the next year to 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 men united at red bull arena i was in that one as well four zero those were embarrassing, man. It was embarrassing. Like, I remember, and no disrespect to David Beckham, but he would, like, come into my position, drop off to get the ball, and then he was just, like, doing, like, showboaty stuff the whole time. And he'd, like, push me out of the space, (laughs) hit a long diagonal that he'd underhit. They'd turn it over and counter the other way, and I'd have to run all the way back to, like, cover for him. (laughs) And I was like, dude, I am doomed on this one. This sucks.
0: Unbelievable. That's a great story. Heath Pierce definitely does not like David Beckham. All right, we're going to take our second and last break of In Soccer We Trust. When we come back, we're talking a little transfer news, so do not go anywhere. Welcome back, everybody, to In Soccer We Trust. I'm Jimmy alongside Heath and not Chuck. But, right. everyone, we do have video of Chuck out in the wild at the MLS All-Star Game. Oh, no. A- You're going to show this without him? I- I'm going to show it without him. Well, we can oh, show it with gosh. him. Oh, my gosh. Look at Chuck look taking at photos. This. Charlie Davies, the photographer, shout out to Charlie Luparello for sending us this footage. Ch- Chuck is a man of the people. Yeah, so is that, for is that, that, is so that Susana Susana that's Susanna <laughs> Collins. <Is> that Susanna <laughs> Collins
1: and Chuck ha- spent his afternoon uh, doing TikTok videos of Susanna <laughs> and that's what kind of teammate he is. So, you know, n- n- which, is, which is funny because he DM'd it to you and I right away and was like, hey, you got to use this on the show. I'm not going to tell Chuck. He ended up taking a picture with Chuck uh, the next day on the on the actual uh, game day, I think that that day was um, the skills challenge day. But then on the actual match day, Chuck took a picture with him, and he didn't tell him that he had that video of him and sent it in. I love that. And so, I love that. which is which is just great. Chuck so out there a... just doing the Lord's work, taking pictures of people. Yeah,
0: well, you know what? We'll, we'll bring it back up. That's you know that's what that's uh, you know before. what that probably
1: was when somebody came up, somebody hand, handed uh, somebody was like, "Hey, can I have a photo?" And then they handed him the camera and told him, you know, he <laughs> thought he wanted one, and he had to actually just take a picture of uh, I love Susanna. That.
0: I love that. So shout out once again to Charlie Luparello. We got two Charlies here, one Charlie (laughs) outing another Charlie. But uh, yeah, we'll definitely roll that again when Chuck comes back on to the show. And Chuck, working hard, man. He's a man of uh, many talents. Uh All right, let's get into some transfer news and notes. And the first one is Christian Pulisic, who obviously made his move to AC Milan official. He played in a 7-0 friendly win over a team in Serie D. And he had two assists in that game. Uh, Stefano Pioli, the manager, was very impressed with his performance. Talked about his versatility, that he could play multiple positions, and that he was very good in 1v1 situations. The next game for AC Milan is actually in the States. It's at the Rose Bowl. It's sold out. It's Milan versus Real Madrid. So I'm very curious to see how he plays, how long he plays, how he performs, all that good stuff in between. But it seems like it's been a pretty bright start for Pulisic at AC Milan. And also I'm hearing that... They've sold a ton of jerseys since his arrival as well, with them primarily coming from the U.S. So a lot of Chelsea fans changed their allegiances to AC Milan. We're taking a look now, if you're watching, where he started. He started out on the left wing in that game against uh, Lumazane. That's what I'm going to go with from Serie D. Yeah. I, I, I'm not surprised that he started off so well, but I think what's really exciting, Heath, is that we all know, and I'm sure he knew and could feel this too, that he needed a fresh start. He's getting it, and it feels like he's responding in a positive way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, you know, playing against a Serie D team doesn't necessarily mean anything. Uh, We're winning the World uh, Cup, here. Yeah, But uh, I will be at that game uh, at the Rose Bowl, so hopefully I get a chance to see him play and and show up. And, you know, because of this time of the year, I'm hoping that these players are they're really starting to roll out like the strength lineups for for long periods so that you can see – just what he's got with this fresh start, and and obviously it's a sick jersey. So um, I'm assuming a lot of people are buying it, and and now with the chance to put a pulisic on it as opposed to say a loftic, loftus cheek, um, <laughs> unless you are unless you are like a fan of of of, um, of him as a player, it's a cool one for for the U.S. landscape. So hopefully, I don't know. Hopefully he balls out. I, I and I don't want to just see him just get his chance and do well. Like I want to see him become what I think was the star that we, we thought, right? Of like putting up right. double digit right. in both categories, goals and assists this year. I'd be I'd be so stoked for him.
0: Yeah, same. I think health is the biggest thing. The longer he can stay healthy, the more of an impact he's going to have. And same with Gio yeah. Reyna, who we talked about earlier. <laughs> now, speaking about Americans playing for Italian clubs and coming over to the States, let's talk about Weston McKinney. He is going to join Juventus's U.S. Summer Tour, which is probably good for marketing purposes, but obviously a big opportunity for him to maybe reestablish himself in Maxi Allegri's team. Now, Juventus' new sporting director, Cristiano Giuntoli, he shot down suggestions that McKinney was ever out of Allegri's plan, saying, McKinney out of the project? That's never been said. Maybe not publicly, big guy, but obviously they loaned him out to Leeds, so there was some talk at some point of letting him go. Weston McKinney coming to the States, uh, having a chance to win back his Starting role, regular role, his his trust of Maxi Allegri. How are you feeling about this, Heath? Yeah. By the way, I got distracted
1: because they just said Kylian Mbappe is not traveling uh, on their preseason tour with PSG. Um, so interesting to see where he goes. <gasps> LA Galaxy, maybe? I don't know. We'll see, Jimmy.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: what breaking news? <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, but uh, I got distracted distracted by that. But Weston McKinney's one where I I do think. I actually think he's a good, like, two years in a a club kind of guy because I think he's best when he's uncomfortable. Um, And he's best when, at least how I see him as a player, like he reacts best when he's under the most pressure and not Mm -hmm. just sort of a squad player settled in or whatever. So um, it's good that he's he's at least getting a shop window. Uh, It seems like there's still going to be, I think it would be a bad sign if he stayed um, because clearly there wasn't, like, a, a deal worthwhile for him. Um, that, that helped him to be able to move because it does sort of feel like his time at, at Juventus is behind him. But shoot, if he can go into that club and and find a way to be impactful for another season, I'm not going to complain about like our guy being a starter at Juventus.
0: Yeah, I'm curious. The career arc for Weston McKinney in particular is gonna be fascinating to see. And then same with Sergino Dest, who I don't have any new news on, but I just wanted to throw him out there because there's clearly talent there, and I think people can see it, they're playing at big clubs. But whether they can turn that into consistent minutes of, of being a player that the club can count on is something entirely different. All right, let's uh, now throw it over to Fuller and Baligan, who is getting a lot of interest. Uh, I think we were all a little bit surprised that he was included in the tour for Arsenal to the U.S., but maybe for marketing purposes now that he's a newly minted well, They're US not going to not,
1: not take him on tour, right? If he's not going out on loan and they're trying to sell him, it's a great place for them. Like they're not going to just leave him back. Um, you got to keep that value
0: rolling true true do you think that they're valuing him too much because yeah apparently they're they want 50 million for him which is insane like he's never that just seems like way too much for a player who didn't actually wear the arsenal shirt i know he did but not in a way that what he was scoring a ton of goals for them in the premier league his upside's tremendous everybody can see it and obviously he proved it in france last year Fifty million seems like a lot for that, for for still a bit of a lack of of experience. I mean, I agree. It, um, I, I don't. I don't where, know. Where did, what did what
1: did he finish? Where did he finish fourth in the scoring list? Um, I'm trying to think of where he finished uh, behind. Who he finished behind uh, this year? Uh, I believe it was Jonathan David Lacazette and um,
0: and uh, I don't know Riga. Yeah, twenty-two Goal, goals. Uh, so, so I believe that he's top three, or at least he's definitely top five. But we also have to take into consider the, consideration the team he's playing on. It's not a team that was going to be giving him the same type of service that a lacazette or or uh, Jonathan David was getting. You know, they they had they've created far less opportunities, and and they had that nice little run I think post World Cup, and then I think the last two months it was a dry run for the whole team, not just for Balogun. Yeah. But I mean, so- look, Jonathan David did it two
1: years in a row now, three years in a row now. And he's like, he's been at that like 60 to 80 million mark. People have had him, you know, and he mm-hmm. started slow last year. He still finished above, uh, Balogun at uh, whatever, 24 goals compared to 21 within the league. But, um, I do think that's uh, overvalued, uh, they obviously think that's what the market is demanding, but as Steve Chirondolo said to me the other day, uh, you're only worth what somebody's willing to pay for you. That's true. Um, That's very, very. We well, didn't true. say those words. That's real estate. But like you know, your I, house is only worth what somebody's willing to pay for it. But for him,
0: uh, yeah, I, it feels like that number would scare away a lot of teams <clears throat> that could be viable options for him. And that seems well, because he's little a first year pro, He's still a first year pro, technically, yeah, right? right? In
1: terms of proven, like he got the he got the loan that he wanted, and he performed. But it's sort of got a little bit of Serginio Dest on it, where it's like, okay, yeah, you had one good year um you know we need a little bit more of a sample size
0: there's five teams and i want to hear from you and everybody else in the comments anybody listening later hit us up on twitter at iswt pod five teams where do you want to see them play out of these five teams heath okay and arsenal's not included five (laughs) other teams inter milan ac milan rb leipzig monaco or chelsea
1: uh, definitely not Chelsea. Definitely not Monaco. <laughs> uh, I would say... Leipzig I,
0: might not I, be bad I, I with think kids are going to
1: Chelsea. Yeah, and, and, I, I, I'd take Haldis a Leipzig going to because they're going be to be a top club. Um, and that's the kind of team where he could... He I could wonder some, if he, he would want to go to Leipzig. Numbers.
0: Yeah, but okay. Yeah, I mean... It's not as sexy. That's not as, as as sexy. But it is a club that's proven that they... Like Zobislai, right? You come in... And yeah, but then then, Timo Werner, Timo Werner same thing. Had a, you know, when when
1: you have these guys that that come through at, at a young age, he's only 22. And 2 years could go by, he could be 24 and go from Leipzig to a massive club as like a big right. star signing right. right. versus, you know, I think I think that's probably the closer size to the quality that that he is or where he's at in his career. I mean, I was wildly blown away in his time with the national team just on like all the little details. So, sure. I'd love to see him go to a Leipzig. Um I guess, Inter Milan maybe, but not as much as I would like him to go to AC Milan um, and then just have that dynamic, even with Ballistic there, to just have a little bit paceier, pace-ier um strike force um, versus like, you know, and have a Giroud that you can go to.
0: Yeah, and then if you bring in Yunus yeah. as well, we basically have turned, uh, it's, it's yeah, America Milan at this yeah, point. Yeah. So, so that would be pretty cool, though. I'd be excited for him. I, I'm with you. Chelsea seems like a bit of a dumpster fire. Uh, Monaco... He's already played in the French League. I'd like to see him somewhere else. Leipzig is interesting for the reasons that you mentioned. And either Milan club, I think, would be pretty cool. All right, so our last one. I think this is a pretty interesting story before we let everybody go and can go enjoy your League's Cup against uh, Cruz Azul and and Inter-Miami and how many minutes Messi's going to get. And then you have the women's national team. It's all happening right now, which is very cool. But Tati Castellanos uh, is joining Lazio from technically NYCFC and City Football Group. But I find his story to be quite interesting for a lot of reasons. Because he, he pl- started his club with a city football group in, was it Uruguay? Uh-huh. Or, and, then, and then from there, he joined another city football group team in NYCFC and obviously had tremendous success. Golden Boot, MLS Cup winner. Moves to Girona in La Liga, another city football group uh, club. And then they get sold for $20 million, which is one of the highest transfer fees ever for an MLS player, to go to Lazio. And I find that absolutely fascinating that he was really part of City Football Group. And every single facet of that, they developed him. And every step made sense to his development. He ends up scoring four goals in a game against Real Madrid last season. I mean, that is as peak as it gets. I don't even <clears> know <throat> if you ever topped that in your whole career. And now he makes the move to Lazio. And I'm super proud of this guy. I think that is, that is awesome. And yeah. and I don't know if, if if that really demonstrates the importance of what City Football Group is doing. But I like that there was some thought and care about how to develop this player. And then they move him on to a bigger club. And now he's off to the races in his career. It's 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 fascinating. I wanted to get your thoughts on that.
1: Well, I do think that's an example of somebody who's worked through the system until they sort of peaked and where they could work him within the system and then and then capitalized on that. Right. I think that's the perfect yeah. example of how it should work. Whereas more often than not, we see like sign in loans outside of the system that he kind of came through it all the way through to the point where, you know, he wasn't going to go to a city, but now you could actually capitalize on that and he graduates out of out of your system and you've been able to have a lot of control over his career um through that entire period. So I think, it's, I, think, I think I think. that's a cool story, you know, of all the evil that exists within the game. That's at least one that was uniquely, you know, leveraged uh, CFG to to sort of benefit all the way through uh, and then graduate out of it in in a, in a really unique way. So, you know.
0: Yeah, I'm curious to see how he performs as well. I think he's a hell of a player, to be honest. And I think he's going to surprise some people that might be unaware of what he's capable of. So good luck to Tati Castellanos and, and uh, we'll see how he performs with Lazio. All right, I think we to call the show, Heath. I think I think it's time. I'm I'm ready to to settle in and watch the women dominate Vietnam. I want to see what Messi's doing, all that good stuff. Plus, uh, for everybody watching, that is I'm pointing behind me. That is the Sydney Opera House. Like the view that I have from my room is absolutely next level. That's not a green screen that 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 kind of feels like it though that's pretty wild it's tough it's It's actually tough to see from this angle
1: but like the fact that that is there right behind your window is pretty 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 incredible
0: it's pretty cool to wake up to every morning i'm not gonna lie but it's a lot of fun to be down here i'm excited to to uh witness the women's world cup from a host country it's just getting me all fired up for Copa america next summer but on behalf of producer des and producer alex and i guess charlie and of course heath and myself conrad dino Thank you for listening and watching in Soccer We Trust. And we will see you guys. We love later. you all. We love, love you, all. you all. Enjoy all the games. Later.